stewardship is important in a sense that you and I have a responsibility before God for what we've been given. In the new covenant, God demands everything except a man deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, what? He cannot be my disciple. Did Jesus get it right or wrong? So what does it demand? What does it demand? Everything, doesn't it? It's not, Christianity is not an add-on or a religion. Christianity is a demand for life. And so we want to look at it today. You know, the um, uh, things most important to see is what God says. Um, it doesn't matter what man says, it matters what God says. And so I want to um, go on with stewardship. You remember we looked at um, stewardship from the point of view of um, who we are. We've got a treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. In other words, God's given us his life. And it's what we do with that life that counts. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, 6. One Corinthians six. Verse 19 says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. The price Christ laid his life down for you and for me. And he paid the price for you and for I. And therefore, in Christianity, the whole thing is, you're not your own. You lost the right to your own way and your own ideas when God met you and when you were born again. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Is that plain? That means you've got to glorify God in your mortal body and in your spirit. That is your purpose in life. It is not to live for yourself. It is not to prosper as much as you can. It is not to seek for all your fulfillment. It is not to live a life where you determine you want what you want and that's it there's a terrible amount of selfishness in society where 
people just live for themselves. Well, God says, no, you're not. You've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You have a purpose in life. Christianity is a lifestyle. It is not some dogma, some religion, some philosophy. It's a lifestyle. And if you go on then to 2 Corinthians 5, you'll discover this. In 2 Corinthians 5, Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things uh, done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. One of the problems with um, a lot of people is that they glory in their appearance and everything is done for appearance sake. Religious people do a lot of things for appearance sake. And God says, look, it's not appearance, it's what's in your heart. It's what you do from the heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is of God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now, can anyone explain to me what it means in verse 15 if it doesn't mean what it says? Read it out. And that? Now, what does that mean? You don't live for yourselves. Does it mean it? I mean, can God really be meaning that we shouldn't be living for ourselves? Hello? Does he mean it? Or does he mean it? Are you sure? Read it again. And then it goes on, verse 16. Wherefore? In other words, we're not living for the flesh, we're living for life. One of the things that's um, a problem is that people always want to live for the flesh, and it explains it in the next verse. Therefore, go on. 
Go on. Which is? So, really, the whole thing, the emphasis on new birth, uh, if any man be in Christ, is new creation. Old things are passed away, all things become new, and all things are of God. The whole emphasis is on what? Denying yourself, isn't it? Christ died for us. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We've got to glorify God in our mortal bodies. We have no right to ourselves. And then he comes in and he just puts in that thing about the flesh. We don't know a man after the flesh. We know him after the spirit. And we're born again. And we're given a ministry. Every single Christian has a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. We're reconciling people to God. Not to one another, but to God. And the only way a man can be reconciled to God is to be reconciled to what God says and what God teaches and what God's command is. You can't be reconciled to God if you want to live your life for yourself, you won't be reconciled. Now you say, well, Christ did it all. Oh, yes, he did. It's a done deal, redemption. Christ has done it. However, for it to apply to my life and your life, we have to respond and we have to live and we have a responsibility to live the way God intends us to live. So whilst it's all done by God and reconciliation is done by him, our responsibility is to live the way he intends us to live. You see, there is a demand by God that you've got to live to glorify God in your mortal body and you don't live for yourself. That is a requirement of a Christian. I'm living for him. My life is to glorify him. And I've been given a ministry of reconciling people to God. Now, you can't be reconciled to God unless there's a change of lifestyle. Lots of people got angry at Jesus. And the reason they got angry with Jesus was he demanded of them what they weren't prepared to do. Quit religion and be real and follow Christ. And he began to challenge their false concepts. He began to challenge everything they thought. And he said, just a minute, if you're really going to live this life and you're going to be a true worshipper of God, you've got to worship God in spirit and truth. And if you're going to worship God in spirit and truth, there's one thing you've got to do, you've got to come to the light. And then he said, I am the light. And then they have problems. And he said, one thing light does is it manifests darkness. 
When light comes, there's something it'll do. It'll manifest darkness. It'll make it very apparent. Now, what do you do with darkness? Well, darkness hates light. And the only reason darkness hates light, the Bible says, is because men's deeds were evil. Jesus pointed out. He said, well, that's why you hate me. Because you don't want to get your life right with God. Light will manifest the hatred in an individual's heart. They'll resent light because light brings with it a terrible condemnation. And people feel guilty. Hey, if you're living wrong and light comes, you're in trouble. Now you've got to make up your mind. How are you going to deal with it? Well, with Jesus, they try to push him off a cliff. They tried to stone him. They did all sorts of things. Hey, they just couldn't bear light. And that's the way it is. People, when they meet a minister or someone who preaches the gospel, they get offended. Why do they get offended? Because they don't really want light. Man is basically hiding from something. He's hiding from God. And we're ambassadors, it says, if you go on, uh, verse 20. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. So a minister's whole purpose is to try and get people to be reconciled to God. Your problems in life aren't with people. If you can't get on with people, if people offend you, if, if you've got a problem with your brother, your real problem is you aren't reconciled to God. That's where your issue lies and that's where the problem lies. You can cover it up with all kinds of excuses. But Jesus said of disciples, you'll know that um, you're my disciples. Everyone's going to know. Why? By the love you have one for another. How can you love God if you don't love your brother? You can't. If a man says he loves God and he can't love his brother, he's a liar, the Bible says. So all the hostility is all to do with one fact, and one fact alone, an individual is not really reconciled to God. He might be religious, might have all the outward appearance but basically his real problem is God but he can't get at God so he gets at the individual you get mad at the individual inside you darkness works when light comes it's embarrassing have you ever seen a person who owes money to someone else They owe them some money. They borrow money and don't pay it. Every time they see that person, they don't like that person. Not because the person's done anything wrong. It's they're in debt. And they're conscious of their debt. And they resent the fact that they owe money because they don't pay it. Now, in the end, it'll end up with hatred. Now, why should the person who helped the person be hated by that person. Why? 
It's called darkness. It's living wrong. And there are people that have got all kinds of inward resentments. A lot of them are just unjustified. <laughs> Jesus asked the question, we looked at it the other week. He said, well, when they picked up stones to stone him, he said, for which of the miracles do you stone me? I mean, what's your problem, he's saying. <laughs> what, 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 what's, what's the big deal? What are you so angry for? Hey, I came to heal the sick, deliver the captive. What's your problem? I came to bring good news. What's your problem? Well, you see, there's this problem with um, you make yourself God. Ah, well, the real issue is God, you see. <laughs> the real issue wasn't the miracles. They couldn't say anything. In, but the real issue is, hey, we just don't like you getting at us. That's the way man works. Light makes you unpopular. Challenge a man to help him and he'll hate you for it. Or he'll repent and come to the light. And we've been given this ministry of reconciliation and we're like ambassadors. We go in, out um, and we are trying to reconcile people to God. You, you know, uh, you're trying to reconcile the irreconcilable. There are some people who do not want to get their lives cleaned up. They do not want to change. In fact, they know more and they, they really believe that they are right and everyone else is wrong. And they live with a bitterness inside. Uh, and you can judge whether you're reconciled to God with what goes on inside you. How are you with people? How are you with those that would challenge you? How are you with truth? Do you resent it? Do you resent correction? Do you resent someone getting in your face? Do you spend your time justifying yourself as though you somehow were superior? Do you hide? What's working inside you? What spirit's there? Do you rejoice in God? If you do, then you'll love your brethren. If you can't love your brother who you have seen, don't say you love God who you haven't seen. And don't claim to be reconciled to God. You're a liar. If you it's amazing what petty things will cause division. We're to glorify God. Where? In our mortal bodies. Hmm? We're ambassadors. And God wants the church to be where the yes is yes and the no is no and we walk in the light because we're reconciled to God. We want to live for him, to glorify him. We've not got an agenda which is different. Why do people hide things? Because 
there's deception and evil there. It's not because they're shy or inhibited. It's because working inside of them, they hide the things that are wrong. Well, they need to get reconciled to God and get their life right. And they won't have anything to hide. We're stewards. You've got to glorify God. You've not got to live for yourself. The only reason you lie or deceit is because you're hiding. Why are you hiding? What's there to hide? It's evil. Darkness is wrong. If you're wanting fellowship one with another, we walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another. You move yourself out of fellowship when you walk in deception. Your yes should be yes and your no should be no. You know, it's an attitude. You're wrong, get right. We're ambassadors. We're here to tell you, hey, it's about time you got reconciled with God. Every one of us has a ministry of reconciling people to God. Now, if someone's living wrong, we're told we're to uh, exhort them to turn and live right, aren't we? That's everyone's responsibility. You exhort them and say, hey, come on, you've got to change. They'll get mad at you if they don't want to change. That's not right to do that. You tell them that and they get mad at you. But that's your ministry. It's a ministry. That's why he says, you know, people think we're beside ourselves. You start telling some people they get so mad at you. You're only trying to help them. Get real mad. As people, they, they want to defend their territory. Well, why? What you got to hide? What's wrong with you? See, light banishes darkness. Jesus said he never did anything in a corner. And we're to be Christ-like, aren't we? You know, there's some people, they're always working their machinations out, just like the devil. They're scheming. God doesn't scheme. He commands. But he does it in such a way to bring reconciliation. He sent his son to redeem us. What from? Deception. Devil's a liar. God wants to bring us out of deception into truth. Walk in the light as children of the light. Walk in openness. Walk in truth. Walk in integrity. It's a wonderful life. That's why it says, owe no man anything. It's better not to owe them. Because then it's always bad, isn't it? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. 
You all go quiet when you talk about responsibility. I don't know. Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, what? That we should walk in them. In other words, God's foreordained a work for our life. And the work for our life is the ministry of reconciliation. We're to reconcile people. My whole purpose in life is to reach the lost. My purpose in living is to be a living witness to Jesus Christ. It is not to just say, well, thanks God for saving me. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Now let me find how I can have the most out of life. I don't come to church to feel good. I come to church to sort out things with God. Because I want to be reconciled to him person who comes and just wants to have a good feeling has got a problem hey you need confrontation what I don't like a preacher's useless if he doesn't confront it might be nice sounding words but if it doesn't deal with a life and deal with issues that's compromise I like what Spurgeon said. If you don't make a man mad or glad, you shouldn't be a preacher. Hey, if it's wrong, it's wrong. You've got to live right. You have a purpose on the earth to reconcile people to God. That's what you're called to do. You know, Christians not tainted by the world's fashions. And society is more and more saying, you know, you can do what you like. No, you can't. And you say, well, we're not under law, we're under grace. Well, I want to tell you, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. You're meant to be glorifying God. And glorifying God is not just in word. It's in deed and in truth. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 says this, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You're steward of the mystery of God. Do you know, you know things that no one else knows if you're born from above and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You know about the things of God no one else knows. Have you ever tried to explain to a non-Christian what it means to be born again? You know, you, 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 you start, and they say, well, what actually happened to you? Can you explain the day God met you, filled you with the Holy Ghost? Someone asked me about tongues the other day. I said about tongues. They're waiting to receive the gift of tongues. Well, you'll wait for all eternity. You have this treasure in an earthen vessel. For the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. If you're truly born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues. Uh, but it requires you to speak. If you sit there and you wait for God to do it, I'll tell you what will happen. Nothing. 
You have to start speaking. When you prophesy, you don't sit there in a trance waiting for God to take your tongue over. Do you? You don't, do you? If you want to prophesy, I say to the Lord, if I want to get up and preach, I don't sit in my seat and say, God, take me over. I, I get up and I, I, I get going because that's what you do. God won't take over your body. I was pointing out, God doesn't violate your will. You have to get up and do it. When you pray for the sick, and you know you want to see a miracle, and you know God's the healer, I, I tell you what you do, you have to do it. Now I, I can see what God's doing, so I join with him and become a co-worker with him. You need eyes to see that, but how do you see it? I don't know. Uh, I just do. Uh, how do you know? <laughs> I don't know. I just do. I, I, I don't have any explanation. But one thing I do know is you have to do it. I get up in the morning. I know it's God who does it. But you have to do what you do so God does what he does. And it's him who does it. But you actually have to be a co-worker together with God. Now the co-work is this. You're alongside and you're the vessel whom God uses uh, and it just so happens that that's how it works. Uh, but if I didn't do it, it wouldn't happen. So there you are. And we're to reconcile people to God. And we're stewards of the mysteries of God. Look at it. Stewards. Of the mysteries of God. Moreover, verse 2 what is required? It is required in stewards, what? That a man be found faithful. In other words, you've got stewardship of the mysteries of God, young man. You. Now what have you required? It's required. It's not an option. Not an option. Not an option. It's a requirement. You understand that? It's required. You're a steward of the mysteries of God. It's required of you that you be found faithful. And it's required of a Christian that he be found faithful. And you're a steward, a steward of the mysteries of God. What are you doing with them? When people meet you, do they know who you are? Are you faithful to God wherever you are? It's required. It's a requirement. Not an option. This is a requirement. I, I want to... Uh, give you five things that a, a steward needs to do. First of all, a steward needs to rec recognize, and you'll find it in Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2, the earth is the Lord and all that is therein. It, the Lord owns the earth. And, and the first thing someone who's truly born again knows is God is the creator of heaven and earth. He owns it all. So 
a Christian knows that he has a responsibility to God in life. Everything's provided by God. Secondly, stewards understand that while they're given a great deal of freedom, they are not autonomous. The owner is going to review his work and he's going to look at your work. In other words, we're all standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Read it out. Watch out. Just as the potter molds the clay, you'll find that in Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 13, the Redeemer's got your whole life. That's a requirement. <laughs> Number three, stewards are not just caretakers. They've got a hand in their work with improvements. We looked on uh, Friday, do you remember? The stewards that received uh, five talents, the steward that received uh, two talents, what did they have to do? They had to multiply them. God's going to come back. And what you have, you've got to keep increasing. Everything God gives you, you must multiply. And God's going to look at your workmanship and want to know what you've done with your life. What have you produced in your life that glorifies God? How many people have you reconciled to the Saviour? Stewards have got to be creative and productive with the resources that they have. Uh, and then the fourth thing is stewards, they're not beneficiaries, others are. Stewards do not give because they happen to have enough to give. They've received what they have for the very purpose of giving it away. You know what I love about it? It says this in the Bible. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running, shaken together, running over. Okay, but what, what is it? When, when God gives you something, it's to give away, to bless other people. You know what I find of stewardship? It's become selfish. Christians now, because of the kind of selfish attitude that's come along, Christians are all wanting to be prosperous and prosper and it's who can have the biggest car, who can have the biggest, uh, most expensive suit, who can have the biggest house, who can have this, who can have that, to show God's prosperedom. Hey, just a minute. God gave you those things so you could be a good steward. They're to bless others, not to bless you. Find in the church of Jesus Christ that people are competing with each other. It's wrong. It's to bless those. We're ambassadors. We're here to let people know that Christ is the Savior. We're here to bring people into life. We're here to be living witnesses. We're not here to enrich ourselves. It's wrong. Stewards are not to use and build on the gifts given in a way that reflects the, um, they, they are to use and build on the gifts given in a way it reflects the character of the person who gave them the gift. 
In other words, we're basically to show forth Christ. Our stewardship should bear witness to the love, mercy and grace of the triune God. And let the world know he redeems, he sustains, he keeps and he's come to bless us. I find in churches you go to that it's all what God's going to give me. Well, it's wonderful. God's done lots for you. But what are you going to do for him? It's a requirement. You're created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. Well, what are they? What are you doing to change this world? What are you doing for your brethren? What are you doing in the church of Jesus Christ? What is your role? What are you doing to build his kingdom? What are you doing to reach a Christless people? That's your responsibility. The number one task of any church is evangelism. Got to reach the lost. Now, it doesn't mean we send babes in Christ out. No, but you support the work of evangelism and the more mature people should go out and minister. That's what it is about. We're here and we're put in a sin-sick world to make a difference. And stewardship is, hey God, you put me here to make a difference in this world. That's what I'm living for. I'm not living for my job. Do you know, many people live to work instead of working just to live. You can build bigger and bigger barns and God's going to say, you're full. This night, your soul's required of you. Who's going to have them then? We're here to glorify God in our mortal bodies. We're here to make a difference. When I go across the world, what I want to do is make a difference. See, with Christianity, what you're doing is you're telling people you haven't got a right to your opinion. With Christianity, you're saying, no, there's a God in heaven who said this is so, and it's so. And when Jesus came... He overturned all the ideas they had and started challenging them. And that's what Christianity does. We're there and it's required of us to be good stewards. And the requirement is we don't go along with the world and the world's values. We live different and we let people know that they have to live different. That's what the Bible teaches. I happen to think God's right. And you can't be reconciled to God with your own opinions. Because God is God. And his opinion counts. And what he says goes. What will change our nation is righteousness. What will change our nation is when the church becomes a steward of truth. Where we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of what we believe. We're not ashamed to call things wrong that are wrong. We're not ashamed to stand up for the values that God put in our hearts. We're not ashamed to declare there's only one way to live. It's God's way. We're not ashamed 
to stand in the midst of a society that says it doesn't matter what you believe it does matter we are stewards and it's required of a steward that he be found faithful you don't go out and just compromise you stand for what you believe it's time Christians live for what they believe stewardship is your life lived not just your money your whole life lived for the right things it's not acceptable to live that way it's not acceptable to believe that and we're witnesses when the church of Jesus Christ stands up and begins to declare it things change and it's required of a steward that a man be found it's a requirement next time you go to compromise remember what God requires of you because he's going to judge you on it it's a requirement not an option this is a requirement got to be faithful glory to God I like that God doesn't give you a way out got to go right be right live right it's time we realize we're not our own we've been bought with a price glorify God in your mortal body time to come out of darkness and walk in light time to quit compromise be what God intends you to be amen